Welcome to the official catch-up podcast. It's me, Ben, and I'm here with three other people who know exactly what they're talking about when it comes to lower league football here in Scotland. Firstly, we'll go to you, Chris. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Happy to... And Moza, welcome back. Hello, how are we doing? Uh, joining us from the East Coast, we have Kev. How are you doing, Kev? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Can't complain. Well, I've plenty to talk about, I'm sure. There's been a lot to say over the last... What four weeks? I think was the last time we've actually done a, a podcast. So there'll be there'll be plenty of games. Uh, but just a shout out to our sponsors, the Soccer Shop Direct. Find them on Twitter at the Soccer Shop D or their website www.thesoccershopdirect.co.uk for all your teamwear and football equipment needs. Well, I say we've got loads to talk about, but we'll start with the Scottish Cup, and we had a few games involving lone league sides, and we'll start with and Easter Scotland sides as well. In actual fact, so we'll start there with the game between the East Fife and Trinent Juniors. Yeah, it was a perfect start for Trinent Juniors. Three minutes in, Stephen Thompson fires in a free kick and he finds uh, Brett Long out of position. And it's, uh, as I mentioned, a dream start for Trinent. But just before half time, if it minute, it was a penalty to East Fife. Ryan Wallace is brought down and Scott Agnew sends the ball low into the right corner past Adams to equalise for the Fifers. And uh, a bit of a heartbreak one, uh, they took the lead on the 44th minute. Scott Agnew sends uh, a lovely sends in a lovely corner and Craig Watson unleashes a bullet of a header to give East Fife the lead. So they were 2-1 up at half-time. And they came out firing uh, the second half. Scott Agnew again, free kick goes through the keeper's legs, 3-1 to the Fifers. Uh, a few moments later on the, the 58th minute, it was Scott Agnew with his hat-trick. Takes a big deflection on the way in to give East Fife a 4-1 lead. And uh, Kevin Smith on the 62nd minute uh, completes the scoring for his Fife. And what turned out to be a, an emphatic 5 1 win, uh, they're through to the next round. Um, a bit of a shame for Trinent. They obviously, we talk about moments sometimes in football, obviously, conceding two goals uh, just before half time. And then obviously, East Fife coming out in the second half with their, with their tails on top, sort of thing. Um, yeah, it ended up being a route in the end. And Trinent go out. Uh, at the second round. Uh, one thing I did pick up on, actually, guys, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Danny Denham, obviously, um, he said on Twitter he got called a geek by an opposition player today <laughs> with very little uh, provocation. Um, this man, without knowing me, has assessed me 100% uh, accurate, <laughs> correctly. Sorry, <laughs> I guess his swan stories during lockdown were too much for some. Must have been, but it's like to be a geek, let's be honest. We're, we're all geeks together. Shout out to Danny and the Geek Squad. I also like the way you put uh, with very little provocation. I'm pretty sure you don't really need to provoke Trinent boys to, to noise you up a bit. They, um, they like a wee bit of a chat, don't they? But I I feel bad for them, to be fair, because I actually fancied they had an outside chance there. Going to Bayview, obviously we had good memories there last year, but um, their first goal was a belter as well. If you catch the highlights on the Scottish Cup Twitter, that basically it's a free kick. They shape up as if they're going to cross it and then just catch keeper in no man's land. It's brilliant. But as Chris says, I think the two goals for half time was the the killer because again the break one 0 up, you never know. I think if you if you're the underdog too, you you'll always say to yourself, let's score first and we, we give ourselves a chance. So either we're off to the perfect start scoring in the, the fourth or the fifth minute, whatever it was. Um so I it couldn't have went any better for them right for the off. But as you say, losing losing the the two goals in quick succession, that's uh, that's obviously knocked the stuff out of them a wee bit. Yeah, and, and one thing we need to remind people, especially with like, uh, where we'll probably get into the Dundee Bonnie rig, get our hearts during our game, but like, 
they're, they're way up the levels compared to where uh, where they are. Eh? You know what I mean? I mean, where is uh, East Fife in League Two? So two levels up for uh, Trinent. So uh, it's one of those ones. If you're up against a uh, on paper a better side, you obviously have to obviously keep focus for them them moments in football. But yeah, uh, we'll probably get into these to Scotland a wee bit later, Kev. But uh, Trinent obviously doing really well in East to Scotland under Callum Elliott. So. Um, allows them to focus on the league, I guess, a wee bit more. The only thing for me is they've lost one of their, what I thought was their, one of their most eye-catching players, that's a guy called Bradley Barrett, who actually yep. moved to Bonnerig. And if you watched the um, the Dundee versus Bonnerig game, you probably would have seen him last night. Uh, so I think that's a big loss to him, because any time I've watched Renent in the last couple of seasons, he's been a bit of a stick for me. All right, next game we have is Forfar versus Unlithgow Rose. And it was a... 4-1 victory for uh, Forfa. Uh, the game went to extra time after a 1-1 in 90 minutes. Aye, and forward doesn't tell the story, to be honest, because um started off when Lithgow was took the lead in 11 minutes. Um, Mackenzie and McCallum having their shots blocked before Kyle Wilson eventually, um, third time asking, turned home. Uh, only in the league for three minutes, Forfa pulled back through Murray McIntosh after a great move led to a Bobby Bar cross. Another name that will be familiar to anyone listening. Um, and it kind of petered out that way. Half time it was 1 1. Not much happened the second half other than there was a big, big chance for Linlithgow Rose with 10 minutes to go. Um, McCallum managed to deny Owen Ronald when it's a 50 50 chance. Half the time he scores there and Rose get a big cup shock. But ultimately, it finished 1 1. And in the extra time, the experience and a wee bit of superior fitness told an end for. Uh, for for um, five minutes into extra time, Martin Fotheringham head home from a deflected Scally cross. Uh, another five minutes in, Jordan Allen did it all himself this time, slotted it into the corner. And just before the half time mark in extra time, there was a for for for. And rather helpfully, their Twitter said, No idea what happened. <laughs> so we don't really know what the story was, but Jordan Allen apparently was a man that stuck it in the back of the net. Um, and that's how it ended. So it, it's one of those, Rose gave everything in the 19. They just had nothing left in extra time and Forfar took advantage and ultimately booked a ticket in the next round. Yeah. I've, I've, been, I've, I've been giving Lundlifko Rose a wee bit of stick actually over the course of the season because I think they've, they've dropped points um, that they shouldn't have really in the east of Scotland. And, but it looks like they're, they're kind of getting their form now. They're, I think they're third in the east of Scotland sort of catching up with, with Trinent and uh, Genefield. So, yeah, fair play. I think Kyle Wilson's a, a bit of an underrated signing for them, actually. Um, they do have a decent team, to be fair. One thing I did notice, though, Derek, um, obviously at halftime it was Zorfer Athletic. Uh, it must be the cold fingers uh, <laughs> coming into play on Twitter there. But, uh, no, um, it's one of those ones where you can you probably look back and say that they can be proud to take Forfar to, to extra time, but... Yeah, uh, when it comes down to part-time footballers and, and teams that are probably, you know, a wee bit higher up in terms of the standing, it's, it's always difficult when it comes down to fitness and, and all that sort of Moving on, the uh, next game was involving Kelly Hearts against Stranraer. This game was moved to Starts Park because uh, New Central Park, uh, Kelly's ground was, was unplayable. And it was looking good for Kelly. However, they did lose the match 3-2 uh, in the end. And Kev, you were there. Tell us all about it. I was. I and Kelly started really well. I uh, probably had the best of the first 
first 20 minutes or so. Uh, had a really good chance from a free kick. Uh, the keeper, to me, didn't do sell any favours. He, he managed just to get a hand to it and push onto the post. Um, I thought the keeper looked a wee bit dodgy, if I'm being honest. Um, Kelly took the lead after, I think, about 25 minutes. Nathan Austin uh, picking up the ball on the, the right-hand side, kind of turned his man, cut back and, and fired a left-foot shot. It was one of those, at, at the time, um, watching it live, I thought it was maybe a bit of a speculative effort that, that had gone in. Now that I've seen the highlights, it actually looks like a really good finish. Uh, left peg, lobbed the keeper. The keeper almost looked as if he thought it was going over as well and left it and it, it dropped in over his head. So that was 1-0 to Kelty after 25 minutes. Um, ten minutes later, they doubled the lead, um, broke up a, a counter, broke up an attack from uh, uh, for the back, and it was Callum Higginbotham played the ball forward to Austin. Austin wriggled in between two defenders. One of them brought him down for a penalty, uh, and Higgy stuck away the penalty. So two 0 and Kelly were looking pretty good two 0 at, at half time, um, but it was it was your classic game of two halves. Second half, the um, it was a complete turnaround. Strandrad got an early goal. Um, it was Tamor. Uh, Kelty kind of felt they backed off him a wee bit. Um, there was a nice one-two on the edge of the box, and Orr stroked at home and off the bottom side of the post. Um, the, mem- the momentum completely swung towards Strandrad there uh, after that. Uh, Scott Robertson headed in a corner uh, on about the hour mark to make it two each. Both sides probably had chances to win it uh, in the, the normal time, and it was looking as if it was going to uh, to injury to, to extra time when Rory Payton uh, stuck away a penalty. James Hilton, Kelty, I thought maybe a wee bit hesitant in defence, probably should have just cleared that, tried to play their way out. James Hilton uh, picked Scott Hooper, Hooper's pocket uh, into the box, gave away a penalty, uh, and... Rory Payton stuck it away with the last kick of the ball. They were still celebrating uh, when the, the ref blew for 90 minutes. Yeah. Was there a, so, was aye, it was fun for Kelty, to be honest. They, uh, they, they throw away, they look pretty comfortable. Uh, but plenty of positives. I thought they, they gave a good account of themselves against a, a pretty decent strand rush side. Yeah, was there a fill on the build-up to the penalty, Kev? I watched the, the highlights. It, it didn't look too clear because it was quite far away obviously with the, the camera in the stand uh, It was kind of difficult for me to see from the, I mean I was behind the goal at the other end, uh, I know that some of the guys in the, the Kelty group chat had said they thought it was a foul on, on Scott Hooper yeah. I thought we just went to ground a wee bit too easy, uh, but a mate of mine who watched the stream said he thought it was a stick on penalty, so I'm just going to sit firmly on the fence on that one I'm not entirely sure myself I mean, they'll, they'll be disappointing, obviously. I think uh, Thomas Orr's goal uh, was actually unbelievable, really good. But the, the, the run-in from Sterling, I think, they, I don't know what, what the defence were doing. They just sort of sat half him and it fell to Orr, who just smashes it, really. But I know, obviously, the, the corner, the, the equalising goal, I mean, you didn't want to be beating at your near post as a goalkeeper, but it looked like the, the boys obviously jumped higher than the two Kelty defenders to put it in. But. They've been pretty solid at set-pieces so far this season. That's kind of the first one I can remember where they've looked a wee bit shaky and as you say conceding at your near post and after that for a about 10 minute spell everything that came into the post they did look a wee bit nervous and it took them a wee while just to, to you know get get the uh, the momentum back their way a wee bit. 
disappointment there. I noticed uh, Mark McCabe had said he was a wee bit gutted as well, but um, does that allow Kelly to sort of focus on the league more? Uh, aye, it probably does. I mean, I'm quite sure they would have um, they would have fancied a nice wee cup run. And, and also, I mean, when that draw was made, I thought it was a winnable game for Kelly. And certainly, I think that's uh, the type of side, Stranraer, a top uh, half uh, League Two side, the type of side that Kelty would want to be benchmarking themselves against, uh, that, I think that's probably where they would, would expect themselves to be in the next couple of seasons. But I, I mean, certainly there's there's a lot of uh, big league games coming up for them in the next um, the next two or three weeks. So I, it's probably uh, a, a blessing in disguise, maybe a wee bit. I just wonder, is the cup really all that all that's cracked up to be this season? I think, I think for me, the cup's also always about you know, like your fans and going that run and the atmosphere. With no fans there, does it does it really matter as much? I think to to clubs at, at this level, obviously, it's nice to play big teams, but I'm not so sure that it's it's as, as big an event as it maybe would be in, in normal times. I think it's kind of lost a wee bit of its luster this year, hasn't it? Um, just purely because we're not getting the the fans in it, just. It's missing a massive part of what makes the cup. The cup. Um, I haven't said that when we get in the next game. I suspect that Bonnierig won't be um, won't necessarily agree because he had a great experience yesterday. Albeit, would have been better if it gone the other way. But um, side note, because I've been meaning to mention this and I've held on till now. Gary Shenmet, absolute nightmare on Twitter. <laughs> Two nil up in the usual foot and mouth. Aye, um, but five our clubs should be up. Can't wait for the league two clubs to come down and die all that nonsense. And uh, to be fair, Stranraer replied right back to him, going, "You're right there, pal." So <laughs> fair play to Stranraer's banter there, because um, also the other side has benefited for all the league. You look at Rudy Payton and Tam Orr get two of the goals, you know. So um, they're a they're a side that. If anything, they're doing what League Two sides should be doing and now scouting those levels to try and bring talent up and give them a chance. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think you read my mind there a wee bit because uh, it's great to have the likes of Bonnie Rigg on TV, uh, Dundonald as well, Dundonald Bluebell recently on BBC Scotland. So in that aspect, I think it is quite still special. I mean, we had Kelty Auckland like last season and that, but um, just to see the likes of Dundonald and Bonnie Rigg and and uh, east of Scotland, west of Scotland. Hopefully, uh, if Camelon get through, um, Camelon uh, Hearts will be on. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Camelon Hearts will be on the telly. So it's great. It's great uh, for our league, obviously, for exposure. And I think um, it's puts to bed a few a few criticisms of the old mentality of. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into it a wee bit later, but that these guys aren't actually that far away in terms of levels of League Two and and Lowland League. I think there's less going between the bottom level of the SPFL and non-league, let's be honest. And there's teams in the west of Scotland and east of Scotland that would improve the lowland. Likewise, there's teams in the lowland and Ireland that would improve League Two and upwards. Look at Cove Rangers, they just beat Alloa yesterday. And that's a team that was Highland League champions just a couple of years back and they've absolutely demolished their way through. So that's, it kind of backs up our whole point, the whole Ever since we started this podcast, uh, we need to have that movement, you know. So getting into the Dundee versus Bonnie Rigg Rose game, it was an early chance for Bonnie Rigg. Eight minutes in, George Hunter finds himself in behind the Dundee defence after a good play and forces Hamilton into a fantastic save uh, to deny Rose the opener. 25 minutes gone, it was a penalty to Bonnie Rigg. I know I've been giving them a lot of stick for this penalty stuff, but they need to, they need to 
find another way to score goals, I think. <laughs> you know? um, if anyone missed the official catch-up Twitter, by the way, follows it. Uh, official catch-up. Chris had a rather interesting take on the Rangers penalty graphic for Bonnie Rigros, which I quite enjoyed, to be honest. Well, Kelty, Kelty got their, their own one as well, where it was crossed out for... <laughs> I think, well, in fairness, right, we'll get into it, but I'm, I believe that's the 11th and 12th penalty of the season for Bonnie Rig. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, the ball played into the box and Forster goes for uh, a, a ball with Dean Hoskins. Uh, ref plays on, uh, but looks at linesman and the linesman appears to indicate it's a penalty. Obviously, Lee Curry steps up and puts the visitors ahead from the spot. Lee Curry does not miss from uh, from the penalty spot. So it was 1-0 to uh, the away side, Bonnie Rigg, at half time. There wasn't really much in terms of the second half. Obviously, Dundee were sort of pressing for the for the equaliser. But I, I, I've said it on Twitter, but Mark Weir uh, had an amazing game yesterday. Obviously, man of the match. Uh, really really kept uh, Dundee at bay. Uh, but sadly, it wasn't the fairy tale ending because Dundee did get the equaliser. Quite controversially, I think. I mean, I think it was 90 minutes plus three or four minutes. And I was quite, I was questioning why the ref gave five minutes of stoppage time. It seemed a bit excessive. I don't remember too many stoppages in play. But either way, yeah, Dundee got the equaliser. Corners headed down and uh, off a labby, I think that's his name, uh, turns it home at the back post for the equaliser. So it goes into extra time. Uh, and again, as as we previously alluded to, extra time, 105th minute and extra time, Marshall filled in the box and Lee Curry again scores from the spot. But the lead didn't last too long. Uh, straight after halftime and extra time, it was 2-2. Uh, Charlie Adam Corner headed home by Ash, uh, Ashcroft. Uh, obviously equaliser for Dundee there and Dundee took the lead on the 111th minute 3-2 Mullen cuts inside when the shot is saved it falls to So who turns home to give Dundee the win 3-2 Dundee an absolute brilliant effort from Bonnie Rigros one thing that um, that sort of that people that don't watch Bonnie Rigros probably don't realise is the fact that they just played their own game the, the structure was Pretty similar, not a lot of space between the sort of midfield and defence. Um, obviously, counter-attacking as soon as they're on the ball. Uh, they probably would have liked a wee bit more possession uh, compared to Lowland League games. But yeah, I think Bonnie Rigg played their game. I think they played it really well. Very, very unlucky. Um, as I said, I think Mark Weir, I think Adam and my team of the season, I got a few pillars for that. Like, oh, you know, I think that the knock on Mark, the knock on Mark is that he's really good on the good in the air. Uh, like what we saw, but he's probably not great at getting in down low. Um, I, I think we saw that in the sort of the the, the winning goal for Dundee. But yeah, uh, full credit to Bonnie Rigg. I was really hoping that we, they could uh, sort of pull something off there. But uh, Robbie Horn, obviously on Twitter the day, disappointed. Yes, nothing compared to how proud I am of the fantastic group of players. Though credible effort, uh, everything a manager could want from his uh, squad and more. I guess there are, there's a couple more points to this, guys. Obviously, I noticed um, Kira Magaki was compared to, uh, or <laughs> looked like uh, Lewis Capaldi. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, I retweeted <laughs> that one. That was, uh, <laughs> it was uncanny, actually, when you actually looked at it, apart from obviously the blonde hair. But facially, there was a lot of Lewis Capaldi going on, for sure. <laughs> but is it, is, it, is it not Lewis Capaldi, actually? It looks like Kieran Magaki, to be fair. Potentially. Have they yeah. ever been seen together? That is a question. 
Yeah, that's maybe that's just Lewis Capaldi's alter ego. He's a forward. <laughs> he's a forward in the, the Lowland League of Scottish football, but going, going by the name of Kieran McGarkey. The, the only other thing was obviously there was sadly racist comments directed at uh, Ophelabe, um, which has been highlighted by Dundee and I think Ben Ben McNichol, um, obviously as well. But I always find I think we've we've talked about racism maybe on a couple of occasions uh, on this podcast, but I always find racism quite a hard topic to to talk about simply because I've probably never been a victim of racism. But um, obviously, there's guys like Nathan Austin at, at Kelly who's had. Um, he's quite been quite forward with his stories, obviously, previously, uh, what he's had to endure when he was younger. Uh, and obviously there was that, that instance uh, against Auckland like Talbot, Kev, that you'll remember. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's unacceptable. I know it's probably just a wee, a wee idiot, but um, just it's not acceptable to, to be sending players personal abuse like that or any type of racist or, or any type of abuse like that. It's just, it's no, it's no what we are for. And we'll obviously always speak out against them. And that's why I try to bring it up because... If we ignored it just because it is one wee idiot, that misses a point entirely. Because then it becomes two or five or ten wee idiots, you know. Um, it's completely unacceptable and anyone that's found doing it should be banned for football for life, in my opinion. Just, I don't care if you're a kid that should know better. Well, you should know better than idiot, you know. Um, there's no excuse. And as far as I'm concerned, I couldn't care about maturity or age. It's a basic thing. You know racism's wrong, full stop. So... It's just, if it's, we could have an hour's long conversation about social media and the way that um, powers folk to do stuff they wouldn't do in public, but we'll leave that for another day. It's just, it's so frustrating that we just can't move on for these problems that should have been left decades in the past. Yeah, I've said that a couple of times to you guys through DMs, but there's probably a few people that uh, I've never had took a punch to the face, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think the other thing as well is about, about racism is that just now within football, everyone within football is standing together to, to show that their support for um, stamping out the whole the game and, and society. And, and I don't understand. You watch the game, every game you see, and no matter what league is, pretty much, there's, every player takes a knee. And people who are watching the game must see that happen and think to themselves, that's why they're doing it, let's not do that. But people, as I say, it's just idiots at the end of the day who who should know better, but um, hopefully one day it will be eradicated and never be an issue ever again, but I think that'll take a while. Unfortunately, it's not just a, a football problem, though. It's a, it's a society problem, and I think uh, a lot of the stuff that's gone on in the, in the last year, uh, hopefully it's, it's sunk in with a few people, but it's uh, there's some people I think you'll probably never change their, um, their point of view with. Okay, so this is obviously our first podcast of 2021, so I think we'll just take a, a look around the, the different leagues within the, the Lone League, the East of Scotland, the West and the South, and just kind of get a flavour of what's been going on and, and who's doing well, what's been kind of, um, what's excited us, shall we say. So let's start in the Lowland League, currently got Kelty at top of the table and Bear Leaving sitting bottom. Moza, you're the man in the, in the Lowland League, and Chris also at Spartans, give us a, give us a flavour of what's been going on. Well, it's kind of what we, in large part, that Kelty and East Cobride are the two sides that seem to be leading the charge. Um, you've got a few other sides that are keeping pace, like a BSC, uh, Bonnyrigg. I feel like Shire are just clinging on now in the, in that title race. That any more kind of losses for them, and they could well 
lose the, the top four. But I think the two sides below that, Uni and Sterling and Galaferi, you know, being the, the good news stories this year, that you've got to include Bonus as well because they've got 101 games in hand. They've got to play them. <laughs> they might as well um, jump back up. But especially Gala. I think Gala's been my team of the season so far purely in terms of what we were expecting of them and what they produced because they've been really, really impressive. They play really well. They're stout as hell in defence. Um, and they're good to watch. It's just a shame they can't get fans in because they're probably having their best season in years and years when you consider where they are in the pyramid. And I'm, I haven't been doing any other deal and, and seen them in the flesh beating us. I was very, very impressed with them. Guess the other thing, the other side of the table, I should kind of point out, Vela Lethen obviously have had things really tough. Um, it's not looking great for them, let's be honest, but they'll keep fighting. They could. We said earlier on about Dalby, Vela Lethen could easily have pulled it, they didn't. Um, so we will have relegation, that's when the season finishes. Um, and they front up, they're facing it head on. Um, Dalby and Edinburgh Uni are they safe? Are, neither are Gretna, but I think Dalby and Edinburgh Uni are probably most likely to occupy 15th and 16th. Um, and our understanding from the powers that be is that the Lowland will return to 16 teams if at all possible next season, meaning that there's likely two relegation spots at minimum, um, possibly three, but it would only be three if the Highland League side beat a Lowland side in the League 2 playoff. Um, so, say, Brora beat Albion Rovers as an example. Um, but you're going to get at least two going down because one to get down to 16 and 99% sure the East of Scotland will will be won by a licensed team as well. So there will be a work, at least one eligible side for promotion from uh, from down below. Albion Rovers getting beaten up playoff. You'd love to see it, let's be honest. <laughs> Although, having said that, I think Breakin's probably still my pick for the most likely side. And they definitely are in the Lowland. Um, it has now <laughs> been confirmed after all the shenanigans last year that they would go Highland. The line has been drawn. The line has absolutely line. been cemented. <laughs> so, almost wall-like, shall we say. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, for me, I think Stalin have been a, a, have been a, maybe I Stalin have been a, a surprise package. I think I come out of you know, not knowing an awful lot about the Lowland League. Uh, probably played them down a little bit and didn't really know expect too much of them and they've been excellent uh, from, from what I've watched and uh, seen so far. So, yeah, fair play to, to Uni and uh, the job they've been doing this year. Yeah, looking ahead now at the, the east of Scotland, uh, we've got Trinent at the top of the table. Uh, bottom of the table is Whitehill Welfare. And looking at the down as well in the conferences, you've had likes of Leith Athletic and Haddington um, doing pretty well, both undefeated. And head it was on top of the conference B. Kev, you spend a bit of time in East? I, I I've obviously not as much this this year as I would have liked, just with the circumstances. But I've been I've been able to see a few teams. Uh, I've seen Trinent, seen Genefield, Musselburgh, um, Hillebeath. So I, I've I've seen a few. Also, there's there's been um, a couple of surprises. I think Hillebeath and and uh, Broxburn are the ones that you would think are are certainly uh, lower in the table than you would have expected them to be. Um, I know certainly uh, Hillebeath have had quite a few a few injuries uh, to kind of key players. 
to the extent the last time I was there, I had to ask for a team sheet because I hardly knew anybody, hardly recognised anybody on the park. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's that's been a big blow to them. Uh, and I know Broxburn, I think they lost a few uh, a few of their key players during the during the lockdown. So uh, it's been a tough one for them. Trenent, I only saw them the once, and it was an absolute horrible day at, um, at Inverkeed, and it was blown a gale. So it was kind of tough to make a judgment. But they certainly look, uh, in terms of their record, they, they look to be sitting pretty at the, the top of the league there. Um, Gene Field, the one for me, obviously they uh, they've been doing really well this season. Um, I, I've all, I've kind of said on this a few times. I, I think they're a nice side to watch, but they seem to have added something that they've maybe been missing. They're, they're no throwing away uh, silly points. They're they're winning games that previously they might have dropped points in, and so uh, they've still got three games in hand. So they're they're well within touching distance and. I really don't want to be the kiss of death, but you know the the uh, they're certainly in there, and, and uh, if they can keep it going to the end of the season, then they'll be there or thereabouts. I think uh, you mentioned Broxburn there, uh, Kev. I watched them play against Upper Meadow in the the Soccer Shop Challenge Cup, and I thought they looked excellent. And I was very surprised to see where they were in the league table because I thought I thought they were brilliant um, on the day against Upper Meadow in the cup. And, I mean, I'll take any enjoyment when, when Meda get beat, so <laughs> I'm not going to have to, to change my, my mind there. But fair play to Broxburn, and I think I've mentioned it before, Broxburn's live stream was excellent. I really enjoyed uh, yeah. their output. It was a great quality and um, fair play to them. So it's good to see teams at, at that level, like ourselves, doing doing some good work in, on the media side. Um, one team we, we mentioned briefly was Harrington. Mozzie, you've had a wee bit of a run-in with Harrington this year? We have indeed, and... To be fair, then they were absolutely excellent when they knocked us at the cup. Um, I think we might have been guilty of underestimating them, in all honesty. But um, they're obviously flying high in their conference. They have played a game more than Leith, though. So Leith are currently in the driving seat, having won all nine of their games. Um, I would be very surprised uh, not to see Haddington get a, a chance to get up, though, to be honest. Um, obviously, there's all sorts of permutations about who potentially could get promoted and relegated and uh, all that kind of thing. If I remember rightly, the East of Scotland was going to go down to um, Premier Division 1, Division 2 potentially instead of conferences as well. So we need to wait, see what happens with that. But we was really impressed with Addington. And their keeper obviously didn't have the greatest game in the next round of the Scottish after he'd played us, but he had the game of his life. Playing BSC was fantastic. Um, so they've got They've got boys there that can clearly play at a higher level or two. Uh, looking at the West, uh, in the Premier Division, top of the table is Clyde Bank. Uh, second place is a team that I have talked about loads of times in this podcast. It's obviously Troon. Um, and I'll say also call in a, a third. Uh, I can't for the life remember who's bottom of the table just now, but certainly no promotion, uh, no relegation from the Prem. Cumberland United or something. Good shoot, Mazza. Thank you very much. Um, I think for me, I mean, I said it all along, Trin are the surprise package of this league. I, I know there's been a lot of talk about Trin, and um, I think I probably wasn't giving a lot of credit at what I seen them last season. I mean, they drew us last year 2-2, two, 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 but I didn't see an awful lot of them to think they were going to be setting to the table by any stretch of the imagination. They were, I think, lucky to... Stay up, stay up last year and they've turned it around I don't think they've brought in too many players 
different from last season, so I don't know what, what it is about Tune, but, but certainly for me, they're doing well. Clyde Bank, great side. Um, will definitely have aspirations of, of getting promoted. I think they'll be heading aiming to get the licence. Um, that'll be the fundamental thing for West, the Scotland teams this year, is who'll be going for who'll be going for a licence in February. Um, as it stands, probably Clyde Bank are probably one of the teams that are most likely to get it. So, uh, them being, being top of the table is good for them. I think Darvel, uh, we've talked about them plenty. They haven't been the... I don't think they've been the side that we expected. I think it just shows you that money money can't buy you everything. In this league, and, uh, they have struggled against a few teams. Um, they've got, I think, a lot of good players, certainly in their, their team. But I think that watching them this season, they seem to fall apart when they go behind and they, they struggle to... Um, they kind of seem to start blaming each other and falling out of each other as a team. There doesn't seem like that cohesion within the side. And, uh, certainly would uh, have expected more from, from them. And I think, I think they maybe will come good within a couple of years, but I don't think they're going to be the team that, that everyone expects them to be this year. And I don't know if it's, it's maybe share a bus for them this year in terms of they put the money in this year and, and they're aiming to get up. And if they can't, then it's going to be back to the drawing board next year. But... Um, from one point of view, I wouldn't kind of mind just yet, just to throw in a wee devil's advocate here, because I've only dropped one game in the league. So, was that against us? Against Cowan then, wasn't it? Because we beat them one 0 So, aye, uh, because if they if they win their games in hand, they're still right up there. So you never know. They they might uh, they might well still fancy their chances here. I don't know if Mix going for the license or no. You probably I know think, more than me. I think they thing. absolutely are. I think they they have got obviously got the financial back in there to do that. Uh, they've got a few issues with their pitch. I think yeah. um, they've spent apparently spent a lot of money on the on a new pitch, but um, it's struggled with with the weather and the frost and the rain and things like that. And they've had to move games to like Cumbernock, uh, sorry, and to play the matches to get games played. And um, I think in the West now we've been very unlucky with the weather in terms of games being called off. Quite, I think the one thing I keep noticing about games in the West is they get called off really early. Yeah. Um, the day before and things like that and I think we can maybe just give give the weather a chance I think I don't get me wrong with this weekend's a right off in terms of um, the, the the cold weather it was probably never going to be playable anywhere but uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens in the West I think it'll be it'll be a good title um, kind of race I think certainly because there's as you say there's there's Clyde Bank there's there's us as well going Darvel and Trun are obviously right in amongst it, so I think um, I think that's going to be a good one. And we've got Trun Saturday, which I'm looking forward to seeing my my good friends at Trun. Uh, I know I've got a lot of, a lot of friends down there uh, in the shape of like Ryan Stevenson and things like that. So looking forward to seeing seeing Ryan in the flesh. Um, I don't think he'll actually know who I am, but I'm not going to tell him. So, um, but but certainly uh, good to see Trun doing well. Just looking down. Kind of towards the the conferences, I think the conferences one. I think I'd be a bit disappointed if I was a conference team this year with no promotion yep. relegation. Um, and I think we've talked about not going back too much in the COVID, but but maybe all being a team who have kind of said they don't want to play. What are you really playing for at this point? At this point, not a lot. A title um, and a league title, I guess. And, um, and Banks and top in the conference A. Nielsen are sent top of conference B, and Kilsyth Rangers are sent top of conference C. Um, some good teams there and, and amongst there um, and Bank doing well. I think they've been quite fortunate by getting a couple of players on loan from the from the West and they've probably strengthened that team quite well in, in that respect. But 
Um, the West is going to be, be interesting, certainly this year, and then going forward, I'm looking forward to what will happen the following season, to be honest. Nielsen are absolutely flying, aren't they? They won every single league game. Yeah. Just looking Excellent. at it. Um, they've, they're a club with pretty decent support as well, potentially, aren't they? Yeah, well, I think the, the Nielsen as well have that that kind of rivalry with like Atherley, which mm-hmm. Nielsen and Barry had. So um, I think they, 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 a lot of the kind of locals pull on that because there's that, that, that rivalry. I think they've probably maybe been quite lucky as well, brought in a couple of players from teams that are, um, are not playing again. So it's certainly been been, been good for them. Because I'd say quite a surprise package. Probably wasn't expecting them to be um, doing so well, but they are a similar team that's... It's doing well at all, but there's nothing really they're playing for, like I say, apart from this title. But fair play them for sticking out. That's what I've got to say. Any team that wants to play, they've just now got to give them absolute credit um, for doing that. But certainly looking forward to a potential playoff for, for teams in the, in the West coming up. I mean, the only other thing I'd maybe add in is it's good to see Bonington making a fist in the Premier because there were a lot of dismissive voices of them over the summer, kind of going up towards October. that or they've, they've just moved over to the South, why are they a Premier team? And um, they, they're down at the bottom end of the table, but they're no bottom, they're making um, they're making a decent fist there. They're no getting disgraced by any means, they've got a couple of wins on the board, so um, I could see them doing all right as well. Aye, I think, I think you're absolutely right, they've got a decent squad there. Probably the one thing I'm against going against Bonin is, is the youth on the side, they don't have a lot of experienced guys uh, in the team. But um, certainly would expect them to be better um, than about in terms of staying up. If there was relegation, I think um, that's the, the ultimate thing. It would maybe be a bit harder if there had been the normal season where there were potential what, five teams going down. And that was obviously meant to happen. Um, they maybe would struggle a bit more. But certainly uh, there's a few more teams that you would expect maybe been at the top would have, been, would have really been struggling at this point in time. Um, but it'll be an interesting running for sure, and I think we I think as a as a, a league, we're looking forward to next year. I think that's the, the main thing is is getting everyone back in, getting your Talbot, getting your uh, Paul, getting uh, Coburnley, uh, come looking going after, and all back into that league and, and really going for it and, and having something meaningful to play for. I think the other thing is that most teams will have their chances to get a license by that point as well. So um, I think the license personally will come round probably too quick for a lot of teams um, given the work that you need to do to get the licence um, for February I think it is you've got to do it um, mm. so I think that's the, the ultimate concern is that you're, you're, kind of, you're playing against time really to try and get the, the licence in place but um, certainly there'll be teams that we're going for it this year and I think Clyde Bank's certainly one of those so um, all the best if they do um, I hope they don't win the league because obviously I want to win it. But um, if they do, I hope they can take on the the team in a in a playoff and and get up there to the lower league. Certainly, it's a chance. I think in a normal uh, West of Scotland league, you would be looking at maybe yeah, two or three, maybe four years before you maybe actually get a chance to go up because there are teams that are going to be in the league. But um, certainly, we're, we're hopeful to see a West team c- compete in the the playoff for sure. All right, the final league we're going to look at then is the South of Scotland League. Uh, it's certainly currently got Stuntra uh, reserves at the top. Um, they've played four more games, however, than three in St Cuthbert's, Chris. Yeah, there, there's not really much to say about the South of Scotland because they probably will uh, be suspended, <clears throat> uh, likely, uh, from next week. But, yeah, it, it's kind of the teams that you would expect to be on the top, really. 
Um, I would I would assume obviously free rovers won it last. Well, they never won it last season, but they were top last season. Um, St. Cuthbert's I've been quite impressed with as well. So um, I, I would say it's between Freve and St. Cuthbert's. And obviously the expected are stronger reserves there that are always lurking that might well win it as well. That's it. I think that I guess the other thing is will, will be whether or not the South of Scotland actually continue. That'll be something that'll be a yeah. a major um, concern for that league as well. So we'll, we'll watch our space and just see what happens and. If they do play, I think Sonaras is probably going to be the team to to do it. Um, again, obviously they can't be promoted because of the way the uh, reserve thing, kind of cold situation works. So, yeah. I mean, three events and Cuthbert's both had their license, so if one of the two of them won it, then the playoff gets a wee bit more interesting. That's a... well, so that's what you want, isn't it? You want you want a few teams that, that can actually play in the playoff and um, get that wee bit of a kind of cup final atmosphere. Um, will we have fans by a playoff? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Last year we, we, we might. Uh, I think something miraculous has to happen though before that because it's what May yeah. isn't it usually for the playoff. So you're going to be looking at that probably something crazy quick happening with vaccines and things like that. But we can always only hope. I guess on, on that front, that's probably the fun. Could have a, could have the weird prospect uh, on, only over fifties allowed in the crowd. Imagine. <laughs> I mean that that probably suits some of the fan base. Like, <laughs> well, uh-huh. certainly. So I maybe. Uh, what do you do? Just sell like forty pound tickets for hospitality and just go mental. <laughs> <laughs> That's a view of Ben Grant and Ben Grant alone. That's not a view of any other club or podcast. Shall I just say, uh, and it was employee a, of Co-Winning Rangers? It was just a, a sarcastic joke for anyone out there who wants to create headlines. It wasn't a view of anyone else, um, shall we say? But one other topic we were going to pick up on because quickly was the the resurfacing of the the Colt teams uh, coming in early two for the old firm. Um, this one, I think, has been done to death, and really, let's be honest, it's um, it's back around again. Is it is this the the teams that League Two trying to save face? I think with a potential relegation, probably. But uh, energy, Derek. Yeah, I'm getting the old uh, writing quill out again about it because um, I've uh, I've had enough <laughs> basically. Um, look, everyone knows our views on cold teams if you've listened to this podcast long enough, that like most normal Scottish football fans get them to is generally the the opinion we've got. However, it now feels that they're going to come regardless of what we think. Um, The fact that the old firm continue to bring it up every six months tells me they're going to get their way eventually, knowing the way the SFA work. So I think we need to probably change that debate now to... It's going to be inevitable. What do we want in return? And what do we make sure we get in return? And I think that's going to take a wee bit of persuading people to think that way. But when we do, our level of football will be the better for it. Yeah, one, one thing we've learned is, is over the course of the last few years doing this podcast, a lot of politics involved in football. And uh, I'm actually, yeah, I would say I'm changing my mind on the subject because the, the plan, um, obviously heavy investment, uh, from Rangers and Celtic into League Two, uh, the Lowland League would get two teams up, and the Highland League would get two teams up for sixteen. I always think a sixteen-team league is better than a a ten-team league in any regard, if it's Colts or whoever. But uh, no, I'm actually turning turning around uh, on the plan, and obviously it doesn't it doesn't hurt anyone to to be in with uh in with the old firm, I guess, in Scottish football. So. 
if uh, it's kind of a case of you scratch my back, I'll scratch your sort of thing. But um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for it at the moment. But we'll see how it develops. If we can get maybe more, more than one promotion place, and the pyramid opens up, yeah, I'm all for it. I think that's absolutely the way to go. I mean, if if they're going to come, as I say, we feel like it's probably inevitable at this point. But yeah, we need to get something back in return optimally and get that, get those. Um, promotion relegation sorted out and give give these teams a chance to get up and through the league so yeah I mean bring it on I think I don't see massive benefit really bringing in the old firm teams um, as Colts because they're probably still going to buy players at that level and maybe even pick up players from the teams around about that are going to maybe bolster the squad and get the kind of younger the younger guys who maybe playing who would normally play reserve maybe come into a team that they can play alongside some more experienced heads within the within the squad, so you might see some of these people turning up and playing um, going forward. But um, yeah, I think the the old firm calls are, are coming. Put it that way. We can either choose to sit on the sidelines and moan about it, especially when they come in with no difference, or we can try and get something out of it that's good for the games all. Um, automatic promotion of Chris's, I think, would be worth it. Um, and League Two side seem to be on board because they're getting promised financial bailouts because they're, they're basically they're guaranteed like 500 ticket sales whenever they play either either Colts side. I think the main sticking point for what I've heard so far is whether they'd be allowed to play senior players in the Colts to get match fitness. Because yeah. um, let's be honest, you don't, you don't want to be, well, let's pick a team at random, Queen's Park, and have Alfredo Morelos turn up Rangers Colts to get match fitness. So um, I think when they go over that hump, it's probably going to happen but I'm, I'm happy to see George mentioned as somebody that's engaging on it because I think it has to happen to, to get our voice in there not just the SPFL voices One thing that people probably won't consider um, because it's Rangers and Celtic but it's good for developing young young players as well uh, not just for them clubs but if they've got a few of the Scottish boys in there you know it, it can't it hurt I mean the, the only other issue is maybe the Rangers and Celtic won't be loaning out players to to other teams or whatever but you know they're, they're still getting the same uh, education if they're they're playing in league two for the Colts team that they would be for uh, for like uh, you know a, a kind beef for example but uh, it's an interesting one but uh, yeah I'm, I'm for it at the moment but we'll, we'll see how it goes oh well, that rounds us up then thanks everyone again for listening and we'll catch you all soon